It is part two. We are coming at you. Part two. Oh, God. I part two. Say part two all over again. I just wanted to be like, I'm going to slap these guys. Part two. Two. Deuce. Theo in Greek, in the mother language. Part two begins. Part two. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. The twins have told me that I cannot drink water near the microphone. It's gross. It is very gross. I'm going to drink water near the microphone. You guys tell me. No, no. Dude, if I was a listener, get off, honestly. Did you hear it? Your gulps are the worst. Stop. Like torture, Stop Why? drinking, you child. Tim, you put his neck to the mic. I Jesus. put my neck to the mic so everyone can hear it. I want Tim you guys to hear it. Tell me this shit. if it's as bad. Um, speaking of if it's at t- the things that the twins don't like, Bengals at the Eagles is the game here. Uh, let's start with Joe Mixon. <laughs> you know what Joe Mixon is? He's fucking hairy nuts. He's hairy gooch. He's hairy ass. He's just a hairy set of down under. Okay. Well, that's Jason's buns. Way of me He's fucking buns. You <laughs> that support for the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over technology, technological developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 keeps you fresh and non-mixing-y down there. Also, if you use the code BRODO, you get 20% off. That's B-R-O-T-O plus free shipping. That's right, 20% off and free shipping with the code BRODO. That's B-R-O-T-O on manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. I would keep repeating myself, but I don't think I have to because, listen, we've been endorsing this product. We told you already we're not going to endorse products. We have two products we're endorsing on the show right now besides our Patreon, which is our product. But two products that we're endorsing on the show right now, two products we believe in, two products we actually use, two products we are down with. So Manscaped.com, plus the cool name. Let's just be honest. Manscaped, cool name. And you want to support people that have cool name products. Am I Am I? Am I bugging with that? Like, if that, like the cooler name. It's like if you're um, ugly, you're not going to be a good quarterback. Right, exactly. Like, you have to be at least somewhat good looking. Yeah. <laughs> like Kirk Cousins. Sometimes it's science. He's ugly, but he's at least somewhat good looking. He's so he's a somewhat ugly. good quarterback. Ah, he's a little ugly. He's got a weird face. He's like, but anyway, he, he's in the shade of that face with some manscaped. Um, also, for your championship belt needs, the Nick official- Mullins is pretty ugly. That's why he's not that good. <laughs> okay. The official championship belt of the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast is PartyBelts.com. At PartyBelts.com, you can get an affordable belt that's dope and fully customizable for an affordable price. All you have to do is go on the website, order it. The reviews are off the wall. So, like, if, if you don't believe us, go read the reviews. They have, like, no negative reviews. Everyone loves these things. They're, it's affordable. It's good quality. It's customizable, like I said. B-R-O-T-O at checkout for 15% off. Uh, and that is the official, official, official championship belt of Brodo and the Brodo Leagues. So check that out. Um, let's get into part two, Bengals at Eagles. Let's actually talk about Joe Mixon here. Joe Mixon, another shit game. Um, 
I mean, now he's facing an Eagles defense that, you know, can force him into another shit game. How do you feel about this? Lost in the sauce of the despicable Eagles offense so far this season is the fact that the Eagles have not had a bad run defense in the past under Doug Peterson. Um, there have always been an offense that you attack through the air. And Joe Burrow has been immensely better in empty formation. Against the Browns, all three of his touchdowns came in empty formation, meaning there's no one in the backfield with him. And he was only pressured once. All the other snaps, 23 for 39, 187 yards, no touchdowns, pressured 20 times, more than half the time. If they want to make life easier for their young quarterback, they're going to go empty a little bit more, which means Mixon's not going to get the ball. And this is also a decent run defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mixon has another bad game. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I got Mixon a little lower than expert consensus for sure. Um, The biggest trick that fantasy experts have ever played on people is convincing other people that Joe Mixon is a pass-catching running back. He's not. Gio Bernard is the pass-catching running back. The only problem is they don't use Gio Bernard enough for him to be fantasy viable. So both these guys are just kind of eh. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, you're going to start mixing if you have them. Start them at your own risk. Uh, we told you not to draft them, so that's your problem. Um, AJ Green. He's had an ugly game, too. Uh, very ugly. But on the flip side, he has seen the most end zone targets in the league. So targets that are actually in the paint, tied with Calvin Ridley. He's still massive. He did get 13 targets last game. He only caught three of them, but he got 13. Um, AJ... He looks like he might have lost a little juice, but it doesn't look completely done. In a game that the Eagles, you know, Darius Slay is a good player, but he's hardly Darrell Revis. How do you feel about AJ Green here? I'm not a big fan of AJ Green this week, man. I'm this guy's coming back off of injuries, hasn't really played in years, now 32 years old. And he has just looked rusty, and he hasn't found that connection yet with Joe Burrow. Can he find it this game? Possibly. But why do you want to take that chance? Like, they, he's getting the targets, yes. But anyone who, say, who says A.J. Green doesn't look like he's lost a step is lying. And he's just not connecting with Burrow. And it's just, I don't want to take that. I, I think he's more of a flex play this week than a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. It's you don't want to... You don't, want to give him a, you don't want to give him a chance, though, because he's not connecting with Burrow. Sure, but it's Burrow's third game ever. He's targeted 13 times. Like, is there no part of you that's like, that is something that is worth buying into a little bit? I mean, sure, but I also think Tyler Boyd week one was up against Chris Harris. And then last week got a good matchup against Cleveland and was looking good with Burrow. And was I, I thought Boyd was... I preferred Boyd to Green the entire offseason, and week two, that was surely the case. And then we saw the tight end is a spot that Joe Burrow really likes. Like, he's been throwing to tight ends a ton. CJ Uzuma had a useful week one, and then Uzuma and Sample combined before Uzuma went down for 14 targets last week. 15 targets, excuse me. I, th- I think Drew Sample's going to keep getting looks as well, and I the thing that worries me is is AJ Green going to continue to keep getting this massive target share when it's not really working when he's actually producing throwing to the other guys? 
We need to consider that yeah. Burrow threw it 61 times. That too. He's clearly not going to throw 60 times again in this one. Yeah, but I think that does that mean the shares go down or like the overall volume would probably go down. Like I still want AJ Green if he's getting nine targets. I think that that's still an AJ Green that I want. Am I starting him with confidence at the moment? No. Would I start Tyler Boyd over him? Yes. But I feel like there is something about AJ Green. But I want to talk about Drew Sample like you guys were talking about. Um, Do you guys know what round he was drafted in? The third Third or second? I know we had he, was draft, draft he was drafted in the second round last yeah, year. Second. Yeah. This is a this is a high draft pick. And when you look and you watch the game, uh, first of all, Uzuma, he was clearly being looked for by Joe Burrow. But then when Sample came in, he looked good. Like he looked like a player who belonged out there. Burrow likes his tight ends, like I said. I think Drew Sample is a is a high quality dart throw stream of the week kind of dude at tight end that People don't expect to do good, but actually comes out of nowhere and, and finishes as a top twelve wide receiver uh, tight end. No, I'm I'm not going to start Drew Sample this week. If you want to watch him, fine. Like if everything you said was put him on your watch list, I'm cool with that. But I'm not starting him this week. I mean, Philly did just give up three touchdowns to Tyler Higby, so that's something right. to consider. But yeah, I'm definitely more of a watch list guy on Drew Sample because he was drafted as more of a run blocker, wasn't really developed as a pass catcher yet, and. All his work, yes, he saw nine targets, but a lot of it was dump-offs while they were just trying to get downfield to try to tie the game against Cleveland or just to score to try to kick the onside kick. So, I mean, it's not like it was all big-time leverage plays that Sample was making. I have Drew Sample at tight end 16, 19 above consensus. That's pretty high. I have him at 21. I have him above Mo Ali Cox, which I'm going to switch. So I'll have him at 17. I do want to note that um, T. Higgins played 65% of the snaps last week. Michael Thomas caught the touchdown, um, but it seems like Higgins has jumped Ross and Thomas on the depth chart. That he has. That he uh, has. T. Higgins is someone that you should keep on your watch list. Look out for him because that's a young kid who can stretch the field. Uh, let's go over. Yo, honestly, like the the – the cars outside are just like it's like it's on purpose at this point. Um, let's You're go on purpose, man. Um, Jason, you have quite the running back rankings on the Eagles side. <laughs> Who's your number one running back this week? Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. I, he's number three for me, so I feel you. But number one, that's a, as well. That's I have Miles one. Sanders number one. Listen, when you you got to do it sometimes. People want to talk about how he's... All right, first of all, he's the workhorse in the Doug Peterson offense. Like, let's just get that straight. Um, The running back who has the four highest single-game running back snap rates in a Doug Peterson Eagles offense is Miles Sanders. And that wasn't even week one... And that wasn't even last week. So Sanders has had more snaps than last week multiple times in a Doug Peterson offense. So let's get that off the table. And then look what Cincinnati just did. They just got destroyed... By Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Both of them went over 100 yards. And both of them had two touchdowns. The passing offense looks lost. They just lost Jalen Rager until at least week 10. Their offense right now is a couple of tight ends and Miles Sanders. That's it. And they're playing an awful defense. And it's a, pro- and it's a team that they're probably going to beat. A team that they're probably going to lead. And it's, 
it's also like if they stack the box against Miles Sanders, I also don't care. You could also pass ca- catch passes. Right. I, I think Miles Sanders is a fantastic play this week. I think he's going to touch the ball 30 times and do great things with it. Um, yeah, RB1 overall status is certainly a possibility this week. I think Zach Ertz is also a great play this week. I have him at tight end three. This is the perfect kind of get right spot for Ertz, who has been, uh, who started the season with some contract disputes, might have been getting in his head, but now this is the perfect get right spot for him. And I think Zach Ertz eats in this game. I mean, I, I guess we could disagree here. I have Zach Ertz as uh, my tight end nine, hmm. just because the Cincinnati Bengals, they've been getting torched on the ground, and then. Through the air deep is where they've been getting beat. They're second worst in the league in yards per reception allowed. And Carson Wentz has been throwing it downfield more than anyone. He's been struggling. Maybe that's why. Maybe he needs to stop throwing it downfield so often as those are lesser completed passes. But Jalen Rager being gone also hurts. So I, I did make these rankings before uh, Jalen Rager got hurt for the tight end. So I will likely move Ertz up to like seven or eight now. But that being said, yeah, I still think Djax going downfield is in a good position here. Goddard is more of a downfield threat than Ertz is, really. So I'm not in love with Ertz this week in what seems like a really good matchup. Okay. Jason, what what do you think about the tight ends here? I think that they're both good plays. What about Carson Wentz? Because you probably took Carson Wentz to be your starter. He's been sucking. Um I mean, any reason to stream Carson Wentz before he shows you that he's not horrible? Yeah, if he's going to show you he's not horrible, it's in this game. He made They made Baker Mayfield look not horrible, and Baker Mayfield has looked horrible for 16 games now. So, uh, and, go ahead. He, he, it's not like he's been super bad, like, super bad. He scored 15 and 14 fantasy points the last two weeks. Add another touchdown to that, and he's basically a quarterback 12. So I'm okay with streaming Carson Wentz this week. I think that um, it's going to be a good game against Cincinnati. They're very bad defense, but Joe Burrow has shown that he could also put some points on the board. So it's not like it's going to be a game where Wentz doesn't have to throw in the second half. Uh, okay, anyone else you guys want to talk about here? Uh, no, not for the Eagles. Negative. Uh, all right, so let's go over to the Bears at Falcons, our next game. Um, I have Mitch Trubisky as my quarterback, 12. The reason why that is the case is because the Falcons are fucking horrendous. Um, I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be a startable, streamable quarterback this week. That's right. I'm back on the troops train. Choo-choo! And I am driving it. Um, I'm sure, I am positive, he will let me down again. But still, I have to go with my gut, and I think Mitch Trubisky is a top-12 quarterback. I don't hate it, Tim. I mean, I'm not super high on Mitch Trubisky, but against Atlanta, you cannot ask for a better matchup. The Atlanta defense is so ridiculously horrendous. You'd think at some point they'd actually field some sort of decent defense with the offense that they have, but every year it's the same exact thing. And their head coach is supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach and Dan Quinn. It's just, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, Jason, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, I'm fine with it. I have a quarterback uh, right, so- 15. Let's go over. Oh my God, Jason, the hate continues. Let's go over to the the wide receivers. I'm over here. No, 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 no. Sorry, uh, the hate continues for about what I'm about to say. Trubisky at 15 oh. sounds perfectly fine. Um, but Allen Robinson, Michael has him at number three overall this week. I have him at number five overall this week. 
You have him at 22. You guys are fucking blasphemous. Expert consensus rank is blasphemous. I'm the only one that makes sense in the damn world anymore. <laughs> what? Huh? What do you mean, what, dude? This guy has eight catches on the season for barely over 100 yards and no touchdowns. Yes, and now he gets a get-right game against the Atlanta Falcons. I expect more from you guys, man. He's going to see what? He's seen nine targets the last two weeks, even against Atlanta. Sure, He's probably going to see nine targets again. I'm sure Mitch Trubisky's true throw value is not very high at the moment. So where does that put him? It puts him in the wide receiver 2-3 range. You're crazy, man. Putting him at wide receiver 3 means you want a five to seven catches, 100 yards, a touchdown. I don't see that happening at all. I know, dude, Atlanta's defense is bad, but before Dallas blew it up in the second half, they were contained at least a little bit. All right, Jason, I feel a bet coming on. If A-Rob... Is a wide receiver one, I win. If he's a wide receiver two or lower, you win. Deal. I want in on that. Boom. Boom. We got bets coming all over the place. Yo, I want to talk about something else, though, real quick, since you guys are nuts on A-Rob. Anthony Miller is basically not the number two option anymore. Um, Say hello to fifth-round wide receiver out of Tulane, Darnell Mooney. Played 60% of the snaps last week. Had three targets and a touchdown. Miller also only had three ca- uh, three targets, no catches. He jumped Ted Ginn. He jumped Riley Ridley. Told you Riley Ridley sucks, by the way, when he was drafted. Who were both healthy scratches last week. Dude, Anthony Miller even played less snaps than Javon Wims. At this point, you can drop Anthony Miller. And I honestly think Darnell Mooney is an interesting flyer this week. I have him starting in one of my leagues where the... Free agents were weak, and I had a lot of injuries. Interesting. No, I do agree. I mean, Anthony Miller, I wonder if there's like an injury or of some sort because that just seems odd for this to happen. But, yeah, I mean, if Darnell Mooney's going to get the looks, I mean, Mitch Trubisky clearly trusted him enough to basically just throw the ball in his direction in the end zone last week, and then Mooney came down with the touchdown. So you got to be a little ballsy, ballsy to start him this week. But the league Jason is playing in, he has faced – a ridiculous amount of injuries over these past couple of weeks. So I feel you, bro. You guys um, to get loco crazy. Darnell Mooney. Okay. Uh, I like this backfield. I think David Montgomery does well. What you guys are talking about week one, I don't understand that your guys' um, victory laps about David Montgomery. I will say that. We are we are apart on David Montgomery. We were apart during the whole offseason. Don't say your Montgomery. guys. I was and, one that saying was Demont could be the next Melvin Gordon. And I I never took a victory lap. I just said, congrats, this is what you paid for, 60 yards. That's yeah, what that's, Montgomery's yeah, going to do. I said if he scores a touchdown, he'll be useful. He did. I think that that's wrong. I think that you're, you're getting Montgomery hobbled, and last week you saw Montgomery get 20 touches, and he's going to get 20 touches again in this game, and he's going to have another shot to be great. And I think that if – look, I want a, a running back that's getting 20 touches. Tariq Cohen has no business being on a fantasy football roster. They just gave him – a, a giant contract and then fed him seven touches, period. Seven attempts, sorry, four touches, period, in he the entire even, game. He was even out-targeted by Montgomery. He's been out-targeted by Montgomery 6-3 on the season. It's crazy. I said Cohen was useless on the heat wave, and you guys were like, what? <laughs> well, I think Der- David Montgomery is a pretty good play in this game. I think uh, I think that you can rely on him. I think I'm, I'm comfortably starting... David Montgomery 
as my RB2 or flex player. I have, I'm as RB14 this week. I think he's going to do great. He's a good play this week, man. And I don't know if Michael wants to hear it, but Monty is 15th or higher. I mean, or lower, like good-wise. 1 to 15th in yards after contact, yards per attempt, missed tackles per touch, PFF rushing grade. He's been good. I mean, I have him as my RB16, guys. Jeez Louise. <laughs> um, we're just talking about overall. Jimmy Graham? Nope. He, his Jimmy, snap nope. count went down from 80 to 62, and he only saw one target compared to seven the prior week, so he's back to being an absolute nobody. Fun fact. I, uh, sorry, go ahead. Talking about Jimmy Graham, Graham Crackers, Nabisco Graham Crackers. Nabisco was once named the National Biscuit Company. That's where Nabisco comes from. Why is that the third time you're telling me this today? I'm so <laughs> For real, me too. Um, no one else heard it. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, I don't remember where I heard this from, but I, a great name for Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham-pa. <laughs> Jimmy Graham-pa. Right. Um, all right, let's go over to the Falcon side. They have lit the absolute world on fire, and I think it's going to continue. I think that the three wide receivers that you're looking at uh, are all going to be fantasy playable for the most part, and I think they go like this. Calvin Ridley, number one. Julio Jones, a uh, close number two. And then Gage, number three. Am I bugging for thinking that Ridley is now someone that you can rank ahead of Julio? Not at all. I ranked Ridley second overall. I have Julio at 11. But, dude, I'm a – like, he didn't practice today. And everyone's always used to, you know, oh, Julio just – he always misses practices and then plays. He had a hurt hamstring and then injured his hamstring more during the game and was not nearly Julio. Like, the Falcons' offense went crazy, put up 39 points, and Julio had two catches. So I'd be hesitant to even – I mean, we got to we gotta wait and see if he does practice, but I think the Falcons would be better off just probably sitting him and trying to help him get better. But, yeah, Calvin Ridley has been an absolute monster, and Russell Gage – Right there with him. He's actually the 12th ranked wide receiver on PFF as well. So PFF is also loving some Russell Gage. I think he's a strong flex play this week. And if Julio doesn't play, Gage is going to be up to wide receiver 2-3 territory easily. Yeah, if Julio doesn't play, I'm all over the Russell Gage must-start train. And I also think that Hayden Hurst becomes a must-start. I don't necessarily love Hayden Hurst this week because it's clear that he's the fourth option in the offense. And... I mean, that's it. He's the fourth option in the offense. So, like, what if he, what if got, he does play? What if Julio does play? Then I don't like Hurst Hayden Hurst. We talked about it in the Monday review pod, I think, or the waivers. He was, dude, Dallas left him wide open for a 40 yard touchdown. Besides that, his stat line 572 and one. You take that play away, and he was a bum again. I'm not in the business of starting bums. So, <laughs> uh,. If Julio is out, I like Hurst, but if he is in, then Hurst can suck a fat one. Michael, why are you being mad mean to Hayden Hurst for, man? Yeah, Michael, what's up with that? <laughs> um, <laughs> what about Todd Gurley? Um, how do you guys feeling about Todd Gurley? You know, he doesn't tickle my pickle. He never does. Like, uh, I'm not a big Todd Gurley guy. Dude, Todd Gurley is the new David Montgomery. Like, I, I'll I'll happily switch my uh, switch my hate to David Montgomery to Todd Gurley because... This guy just gets the ball handed to him, runs three yards, and falls down. He's not used in the passing game anymore. Like, he just – he got 64% of the snaps last week but didn't see a single target. Ito Smith was stealing red zone work from him. Todd Gurley is 100% touchdown or bust at this point. 
21 rushes for 61 yards for Todd Gurley. No targets. Todd Gurley has not broken a tackle yet this season. Really? Wow. That's gross. It's disgusting. The mighty have fallen because Todd Gurley, two years ago at this point, if you're in, if you were in like a dynasty league, you're giving up top dollar for Todd Gurley, and you're like, I, I have a superstar for five years at least. Then you get hurt, and you just he's just not the same, and it just, sucks because he was a transcendent talent. I just don't understand how there's people in the world who people listen to, and and like they say, fade Ceh and Jonathan Taylor because they haven't proven it yet. But Todd Gurley's going to be a top twelve running back, and it's like, dude. Yeah, I mean that's why people are listening to us right now. All right, let's go over to the next game: Panthers at the Chargers. Uh, I have a hot take on this one, guys. Bench your Panthers. I have no interest in any Panthers this week. Um, I mean, DJ Moore, maybe. But if I can, I'm trying to avoid having him as one of my top two wide receivers this year, this week. And here's why. CMC is gone. This offense will need to be completely different. Um, Mostly, they're facing the Chargers. And I was telling you before in, in episode one that you should fade I mean you shouldn't look at matchups too much here but this Chargers defense is really really good and they have been good for four straight years and the reason is not only because they have great players like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and Chris Harris and and Casey Hayward and shut down guys like that and great guys like that and even without um, Derwin James but it's because Gus Bradley is their defensive coordinator and people really sleep on Gus Bradley Gus Bradley started out in 2006 with Tampa Bay uh, in in their completely dominant years, became assistant coaches, and then built up the Legion of Doom before handing it over to Dan Quinn, who is making it very clear that it was not his mastermind with these players that made it a great defense. Then he went to Jacksonville to be a head coach, and he didn't have much success as a head coach, but he did bring it to an AFC championship game. And he, and I'm sorry, no, he didn't. That was Doug Marone. But Doug Marone took the defense that he built to the AFC Championship game. He built that defense in Jacksonville. Then he comes over to the Chargers. He's been the defensive coordinator for four years, and he's turned them into one of the best. And when you're talking about a guy like Matt Rule, who's trying to bring something new to the NFL, and you're putting him against a mind like Gus Bradley's, I'm not saying that Matt Rule doesn't have the ability to be a better mind than Gus Bradley. I'm just taking the veteran that's been dominating the NFL for years in a row over the new guy who's trying to do this new thing I just, if I can, I'm sitting all my, I'm sitting all my Panthers, except maybe DJ Moore. I'm, I'm making a decision to start DJ Moore or Jarek McKinnon in my, uh, my Scott Fishbowl. That's how low I am on the Panthers this week. I, I don't know, I don't know about that, man. You're, I know the Chargers defense is good, but just sit DJ Moore as if the I, dude here, has here, 22 targets. On here's the what, year. here's what it is. I have DJ Moore as my 20th wide receiver. So am I telling you to sit him? No. I'm telling you to temper your expectations. I have him as a low-end RB wide receiver, too. You drafted him to be a wide receiver, one in the low end. So, you know, temper expectations. But Robbie Anderson, I, look, I've seen the story of Robbie Anderson against good corners in the past. I'm not trusting him. Um, Curtis Samuel, hell no. Teddy Bridgewater, hell no. And even uh, Davis, who is who – is, who caught eight passes in the, you know, relief role for CMC. I'm not, I don't even, I'm not excited to start him. Now, if you paid up for Davis, you're starting him this week, but I'm not excited. So I just think it's going to be a dud game for the Panthers. I think the Chargers might roll over them in this one. I mean, no, uh, the Chargers are actually allowing the most yards before contact to opposing running backs this season thus far. 
Otherwise, their defense has been spectacular. But, I mean, if you expect Mike Davis to do good, it's going to be because he's not getting hit. Like, it's not like he's going to make a bunch of people miss. And he's going to be involved in the passing game. I think the Chargers are going to be winning this game, and they're going to need to pass a ton. I'm not super high on Mike Davis, but I think he's a very solid flex play. And I think DJ Moore is a very solid wide receiver, too, as well. Even Robbie Anderson in the flex, I don't hate it, man. Like, I just think it's going to be the same Panthers that we've seen who they're going to be trailing and just need to start passing a ton. And Bridgewater sucks. We know that. But it, someone's going to have to catch his passes. I don't know if I agree. We're talking about the Justin Herbert-led Chargers. I don't think it's going to be a game where the Panthers are clearly down the entire time, even though they do suck and Teddy Bridgewater is the do. But, look, last week I ranked Patrick Mahomes as my seventh quarterback because I was concerned about the Chargers' pace of play and, his, and the Chargers' defense. Mahomes ended as the seventh quarterback. Subtle flex. That's why I was number one last week. Um, <laughs> but... My point is the Chargers have a slow pace of play. It was quicker last week with um, Herbert, but that's also because they were playing the Chiefs. They want to run the ball. Eckler and Kelly uh, both get OD work. We'll talk about them in a second. But they want to control the clock and they want to play defense. And Teddy Bridgewater is not one for quality over quantity. If you want production out of the Panthers, it's because they're going to be throwing the ball a lot, not because Teddy Bridgewater is going to do a lot with a little. So I do think there's concern here. And something else to note, Curtis Samuel ran four times last week. Maybe with CMC out, Mike Davis will, uh, Samuel will get a little bit more running game work. I also don't think we're giving enough credence to Mike Davis, though. Like, he's still going to be the number one running back on the team. Basically, he's a plug-and-play. Like, flex at least if you have two good running backs. But, like, he's going to get work. I think the Panthers score 17 or less. Um, Let's go over to the other side. Yo, fucked up news with Tyrod Taylor, bro. If you guys don't already know this, he went to get a pain injection for an injured rib, and the doctor punctured his lungs. That's crazy. And, like, they might sue the team and win. Um, Tyra Taylor. Um, but with Tyra Taylor and Justin Herbert last season, right now, I mean, last week, um, well, the last two weeks, the Chargers have the highest run ratio in the league. They have six passes for every 10 runs. So the question is, does that change with Herbert, or do you think that continues with the rookie? It's the Panthers. Are you kidding me? The Panthers, who have allowed six rushing touchdowns on the year. Start Eckler, start Josh Kelly. This is a team that just let Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt run wild on them and Josh Jacobs the week prior. I have Austin Eckler as my running back 8. I have Josh Kelly as my running back 21. Sign me up for both of them all day. I couldn't agree more. Michael's talking about the first two weeks. Carolina was also bad last season. They were the worst team against the run. Austin Eckler broke 11 tackles last week. He also had four targets, four catches, 55 yards, so that's probably better with Herbert under center. And then Josh Kelly is averaging 18 and a half touches per game. That's more than Chubb, Montgomery, Carson, Dalvin Cook, David Johnson. He's been seeing more touches per game than all these guys. I agree with Michael. I have Eckler as an RB1 and Kelly as an RB2. I'm the same way. I got Eckler at 9, Josh Kelly at 22. Uh, uh, Everything you guys have said, Kelly at 60% of the share of the backfield and 10% of the share of targets. Um, I think the game script has been in their favor, but I love it because, look, the defense is nice, and I told you, I don't think the Panthers are going to move the ball very well. I think the Chargers are going to be in control this whole game, and I think they're going to run wild. Um, What about Keenan Allen and 
like his prospects because I think that you definitely like Keenan Allen more with Justin Herbert under center rather than Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, 100%. I'll tell you what. Yeah, just Keenan Allen completely turned the table uh, from week one compared to what Taylor was doing. And then back to Justin Herbert, he was clearly targeting Keenan Allen way more than uh, Mike Williams. I don't think it's going to change. I mean, Keenan Allen, how how could you not love throwing to Keenan Allen if you're a rookie quarterback? Like, the dude is just, he's a veteran who gets the job done. He's always hoping. He plays almost 100% of the snaps. So I think I think it goes back to Keenan Allen. His stock is rising. Mike Williams' stock is dipping a little bit. And Hunter Henry just continues to get targeted a bunch. Has 16 targets through the first two weeks. Hunter Henry gets a great matchup here against Carolina. I think Keenan Allen's a strong wide receiver to play. Mike Williams, I kind of want to wait and see how it goes again with Herbert because he was just not involved really at all last week. So I don't really want to start Mike Williams, but Allen and Henry are very good starts in my opinion. I'll tell you what, Herbert came through and just started launching bombs down the field. Me and Jason were watching that game together, and we were just like, whoa, what the fuck? It's like, holy shit, this guy is just launching him down the field. It was nice to see. No fear whatsoever. Uh, I agree with you on Henry. I think Henry's a great play this week. I have him as, as a tight end one. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this offense? I'm not trusting Mike Williams. Um, I just don't think there's enough volume in this game for Mike Williams to be involved. Jets at the Colts is next. Let me make this very th- simple on you. Don't start any Jets. I don't know how you can. Uh, Sam Darnold, how can you start him? Um, if you look around him, what are you getting? You're getting five new offensive linemen who, by the way, Makai Becton looks like he has a future of being a fantastically great left tackle. So that's one thing you could be happy for if you're a Jet fan. But five new offensive linemen. What the fuck is Joe linemen D waiting for, man? Five new offensive linemen around him. Uh, Frank Gore, who's an ancient player, is the starting running back at the moment. Perriman and Crowder both mispracticed today. Both of them are questionable or or doubtful at this point to play next week. Denzel Mims is on the IR. You got Braxton Berrios. You got Chris, Chris, uh, what's his name, Hogan, who also left the game last week. And then even the one that guy that you were counting on, Chris Herndon, the Colts have allowed 11 yards to tight end this season. And like Michael always says, you have to look deeper into that. They played Minnesota and Jacksonville. Tyler Eifert had a touchdown the game after, and Minnesota has two guys in Kyle uh, Kyle Rudolph and um, Irv Smith who are capable. So it's not like they've played nobodies. They haven't played superstars, but they haven't played nobodies. Man, I don't think you could play Jets here. I actually love the Colts' defense as the number one defense of the week. You're not starting any Jets. Dude, Frank Gore had 21 carries in a game the Jets lost by 18. Man, he's actually... Adam Gase, fucking get the fuck out of here, man. The oldest player ever with 20 carries in a game. Go away. I don't want that to be my team. I like everyone knows we're Jets fans here. It, I don't want that stat to be associated with my team. Get and, the fuck out of here. And he's having Chris Herndon block more than he's running routes. So can we just let's oh just stop God. talking about the Jets? Don't start any of them. No more. Is it going to be the, the complete opposite for the Colts? I, I like some Colts um, here. Rivers, I don't think you start Rivers under any circumstance, but let's go over to the other guys. Taylor, the offense ran through him in week two. You guys said Jonathan Taylor automatically becomes a running back one. You said you'd take him as high as sixth if you had to redraft today. Jason, 
Uh, I think you're right. I think Jonathan Taylor is someone who's going to be great. Now, the Jets do have a pretty stout run defense in terms of um, between the tackles. If you look at even the San Francisco game, if you take away the big run um, right in the beginning, and I know that's a big caveat, but if you take away the big run on the first play, 80 yards by Raheem Mostert, uh, the, the Niners with Kyle Shanahan didn't have a fun time running against the Jets. So, um, not for nothing, though, they did have another 70-hard touchdown called back because of a holding call. I mean, when things are back because of a holding call that had a direct correlation with the play, like, you can't really talk about that. But you're right. Either way, I think Jonathan Taylor is a good play but not a great play. I have him as a low-end RB1. I think I have him number nine. I think number that 10. Jonathan Taylor is bulletproof these days. He played on seven of 13 third downs last week. He's the workhorse now. If you're wondering where Naheem Hines went, just look at Rivers. Phillip Rivers threw the ball 46 times week one. In week two, he threw it 25 times. This is not a Naheem Hines week. Uh, Rivers isn't going to have to throw it 46 times. So you can start Taylor. You're probably not going to start Rivers because he's not going to have enough volume in that. They're just going to win 12 to nothing probably. Um, I think that the... Michael Pittman's an interesting dart throw for me. I'm just going to hop right into there because with Paris Campbell injured, Pittman took a step up last week, played I think over 90% of the snaps, Michael said recently. If you're on the field that much against the Jets, and if the running game is struggling because the Jets do have a good run defense, they're going to have to throw the ball to someone. And you're probably starting to UI Hilton if you have him because it's a good matchup even though he's disappointed. I think Pittman offers a little upside on the low. Um, I... I think T.Y. Hilton is the main is the main guy who of course. benefits from that. I think T.Y. Hilton is a great buy-low candidate right now. He dropped a 50-yard touchdown last game uh, that was basically in his hands. So if he would have added that 50-yard touchdown, all of a sudden people are really happy with Hilton. And the Hilton, people who drafted Hilton, they are probably kind of mad at him right now. Um, so it might be a good time to try and offer like a package of Brandon Cooks and Keelan Cole for T.Y. Hilton or something like that. Um by the way, Naheem Hines played only 9% of the snaps last week. Jordan Wilkins played 17%. So I think it's very clear that Naheem Hines is a game script dependent player, which sucks because when he got those goal line carries in the beginning of the game in week one, that was the indication that he was ready to not be just a game script dependent player, that he was ready to play at all times. Yeah. So it's a little it's a little difficult there. Also, Zach Pascal is an interesting one. Uh, he'll be touchdown dependent. Um Jack Doyle did not practice Wednesday. Does not look like he's going to play. Molly Cox um, had a great game. I mentioned it. Highest PFF rating since 2017 with Gronk. Take it for what it is. It is something. It is nothing. Either way, Molly Cox had an objectively good game, and I expect him to have another one. Mo money, mo targets, mo touchdowns, mo Molly Cox. I agree. I think he's a good streaming candidate, and... He could win his way into the tight end one role if he has another big game, I think. I'm going to start calling him Mo Ali Gronk. <laughs> Mo Ali Gronk, that's a good one. Um, let's go over to our next game if there's no one else you guys want to talk about in this game. No. Nope. <sighs> Fuck this game. Fuck the Jets. <laughs> All right, let's go over to the – That's a, that is a scorn Jets fan right there. Um, let's go over to the Bucks and Broncos at our next game. Um, Tom Brady – Interesting situation with him because I'm not starting Tom Brady at all. So let's go over, unless you guys are starting Tom Brady for whatever reason. I mean, you're saying as if Tom Brady's just not going to be considered by anyone. I'm kind of confused by your 
just hate of Tom Brady right now. I he mean, I have him at 17. I, there's players I'd rather I'd rather start Gardner Minshew. I'd rather start Mitch Trubisky. I'd rather start Matt Stafford. Like, it's not like I'm not starting him under any circumstance, but there's guys I like better than Tom Brady. No, I agree, but, I mean, I'm sure someone out there is going to start him, and I don't think it's a terrible start. It's not like Denver has been amazing defensively. They've been decent, but they're not by any means an elite defense with all the injuries they've that they've went through as well. And Tom Brady gets his full healthy team back and Leonard Fournette in the backfield who now looking like he's going to be the main guy. So he's, he has his full, full weapons ready to go. Um, let's go. Let's talk about his full weapons. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin right now is expert consensus wide receiver 33. And it begs the question of why well, it was um, I have, he was questionable to play this week. That's why. I mean, he's been cleared in the concussion protocol. All, all systems look like they're go. Um, if Chris Godwin plays, he's my wide receiver nine. He's he's higher ranked than Mike Evans, I, as I think it should be. I think Chris Godwin is the target monster on this team, and you can't tell me otherwise. I love Chris Godwin in this game. I am his wide receiver four. I'm not shying away from him. It's not like it's a ankle injury or something. It's a concussion. He's cleared protocol. He's ready to go. Facts. Um. Let's go over to Evans then. Evans without without uh Godwin was pretty damn good last week. We still haven't answered the question, what does Mike Evans plus plus Chris Godwin plus Tom Brady look like? Because last time it was what's Mike Evans minus LaShawn uh, uh Marshawn Lattimore. Um <laughs> that was that equation plus plus injury. So now you have a healthy Evans, you have a healthy Godwin. This is going to be our first look at the trio on the field together, so it's going to be interesting to see how the targets are are distributed. My- I gotta say, it what this was necessary for Mike Evans. Like it would have been very concerning if even without Chris Godwin against Carolina, Mike Evans couldn't put together a good game with Tom Brady. So it was nice to see Brady connecting with Evans, uh, and it looks like it looks like well, I don't see why against Denver why that would change. I think I have him as wide receiver thirteen, so not. So right on the edge of wide receiver one status with Godwin back, I do think he's, his targets go down a bit. But, I mean, Arian said he wants to get him 10 targets a game. So I prefer Mike Evans this week just because I'm concerned about volume. Denver is not a good team at the moment. They're, they're being led by Jeff Driscoll and rookies on the outside. So this could be an ugly game. Tampa Bay defense is very good. They played very good last week. I don't know if there's enough volume for these two to both have top 20 performances before it becomes the Leonard Fournette slash Rojo slash whatever show. I I opt to say Fournette. Miller, Watson, Howard, Gronk. Any interest in these guys? Yeah, Watson just started playing over Scotty Miller last week. He ended, He even played more snaps than Mike Evans. So at the moment, I don't want to touch any of them. Yeah, same. And Howard and Gronk, no thank you. Um... Let's talk about Fournette and Rojo. Obviously, Fournette outtouched Rojo last week. It, you know, it is Bruce Arian style to after someone fumbles, you bench him. So if Fournette fumbles, maybe he gets benched again. But as of right now, this backfield, I think, is trending towards Fournette's backfield. I was right. I was the highest on Fournette um when the Bucks signed him. Like I right away, I was like, I would maybe even go up to the fifth round to get him. And I'm hoping that last week was a sign of things to come because he's clearly better than Ronald Jones. 
Like, I'm sorry, but Ronald Jones has had enough, man. Enough opportunity for this guy. He's just not good. Why not give it to Fournette and see what Fournette could do in that offense? And it's going to be a game where they're going to have to run. Like, I don't even think Ronald Jones is a despicable play because maybe he'll get some burn too. But I'm going to go Fournette out of the two. And I have him running back 22 because I think it's going to be a run-heavy game for him. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I would be shocked if it wasn't Fournette starting the game and Rojo just being a change of pace back. And and it's not like, oh, Rojo fumbled, Fournette came in, sucked. Fournette dominated the Panthers. And yes, it was the Panthers, but 100 yards and two touchdowns and pass casting work and being the closer in the fourth quarter for that team, I think speaks volumes. So I do want to say, LaShawn McCoy, 34 snaps this season, 31 passing plays. So he's a clear passing back, um, which does limit the upside. But in a game LaShawn, like this, I don't really care. LaShawn what? McCoy dropped a touchdown right in his hands. Tom Brady Tom Brady laid one right in his hands perfectly, and he just straight up dropped it. So, Fournette, I mean, LaShawn McCoy is interesting. Fournette also did see five targets, though. So he was involved in the passing game as well. Tom Brady's going to throw to his running backs. This is how Tom Brady is. Um, let's go over to the other side. You guys mentioned Jeff Driscoll has supported some people. So, I mean, although you're not starting Driscoll, I wouldn't shy away from these weapons too, too much. Um, but you have to take them with a grain of salt because Jerry Judy is a rookie. Um, he's going to be the number one wide receiver now. So let's see if he can handle that. KJ Hamler is definitely going to have a bigger role. These wide receivers, I'm not excited about. Judy, um, if you have him on your bench, you're definitely excited to see what's possible. But if you're... If you don't have to start him, don't. The start for me in this game is no offense. You guys know my cheat code is backup quarterbacks love going to the tight end and the running back. I think no offense is going to eat in this game. I think that no offense from here on out is a no doubt tight end one. Um, he's a guy that you could set it and forget it at this point and put him in your tight ends. If you happen to draft him late in the draft and you, and like, say, let's say you took Hayden Hurst and no offense, like, Noah Fant is the answer in that combination. So um, I think Noah Fant is going to eat in this game, and I think he eats uh, from here on out, really. I basically agree with everything you said. I also just want to throw in there that don't sleep on Jeff Driscoll as a fantasy option, especially if you're in a 2QB league. Uh, This guy last season had three starts, ran for at least 37 yards in each of those starts, was never outside the top 16 quarterbacks. Wow. Hot take, he may very well outscore Tom Brady in this game. Wow. He may do it in a very ugly fashion, but I would not be shocked. He just he piles on fantasy points because he's typically trailing. <laughs> he's typically in comeback mode, and he likes to use his legs as well. So I don't hate Jeff Driscoll, I, but I do agree with basically everything else you said about start Fant. Be very wary about the receiving options, at least for this week. Let's see how it plays out because Tampa Bay is actually – not that bad of a defense, especially their running game too. So Melgo is even is even a little bit of a a worrisome matchup here. Yeah, I'm okay benching Fant this week, if I'm being honest. Um I just I'm not I'm afraid of this matchup. Tampa Bay defense has been very good. And yeah, Jeff Triscoll is fun and he's gonna use his legs a little bit, but that's not helping anyone. He needs to throw the ball if he wants some fantasy points. And look, Melgo only David Johnson, Zeke and Dalvin Cook played a higher percentage of their team snaps last week. Melgo caught a touchdown. He's a workhorse running back at the moment who I'm okay with throwing out there. Anyone else on the offense, 
it's just a dart throw in a game where Tampa Bay is probably going to control. So, like, you can take the shot, but I don't know. I don't know if I could bank on another Noah Fant touchdown because I don't see the... I don't see the work being there. He has five and six targets. Five or six targets from Jeff Driscoll without a touchdown isn't going to be pretty. Jared Cook did have a did have a good game week one, though, against uh, Tampa Bay. So, And then Ian Thomas isn't really used in Carolina. So, I mean, it's not like they, they played well against Cook, which they didn't. And Fant is a monster, so I, I like Fant. What about Melgo? He's a workhorse. Like you got to start him. All about volume, yeah. Yeah, start Melgo. Um, let's go over to the next game. Lions at Cardinals. This could be a get-right game for Matt Stafford. It looks like Kenny Galladay will be back. If Kenny Galladay is back, I, right now I have him ranked as wide receiver 10. I think he comes back and dominates right off the bat. If he comes back, he's coming back big. Marvin Jones hasn't been that good as the number one wide receiver, but move him over to number two wide receiver, and I think that that's a position that fits him better. I like the two. I also like Hawkinson. So, if so facto, I like Stanford against this Cardinals defense that is susceptible to the pass. Um, how do you guys feel about this underperforming offense so far this year? Patrick Peterson has been awful, too. Let's just throw that out there. Like, he declined last year and has just been atrocious to start this season. Got absolutely cooked by Terry McLaurin. So, I agree. I did put Kenny Galladay right back as wide receiver nine. Like, if he's going to play... They're clearly being cautious with him, sitting him out the first couple weeks. I doubt they're going to rush him back. So if he's playing, I'm assuming he's healthy and ready to go. And Marvin, about- Jones has, right, Marvin Jones has slacked as well as the number one option. I don't, I don't want to fall for the Marvin Jones upside again this week, but I kind of am. As a wide receiver three, I am 100% okay with taking the upside shot because if he just – he just needs one long touchdown, and that that offense has not been great to start. But, I mean, we've seen Stafford do it too many times with Marvin Jones, so just assume this is who Marvin Jones is now and that his boom games are gone. I'm not buying that. And it's not like he was – he caught only four passes and 24 yards last week, yes, but he also caught a touchdown. So he's put up double-digit fantasy points. It's not like he put up four points. You mentioned um, Patrick Peterson taking a step back. Uh, and there, it, it is – it, it, it's mentionable to notice that cornerbacks usually, especially great cornerbacks, they usually don't decline gradually. It's usually they're good and they fall off a giant steep, steep cliff. And I think that might be what's happening with Patrick Peterson. Um, he did. He was on steroids as well. Let's not forget that he was taking performance enhancers and he got suspended for it. So now that he can't do that, I wonder if that's affecting his play. Um, TJ Hawkinson is someone that we're all high on this week. Jason, how do you feel about TJ Hawkinson? Uh, I think that <clears throat> Galladay coming back isn't a death sentence for Hawkinson, if anyone thinks it is. Uh, that's just going to open up the middle of the field for him more. And Arizona, I know this was last year, but was very bad against the tight end. And I don't think they've played anyone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was going to say they haven't played anyone with a real tight end. They played San Francisco, but Kittle was destroying them before he got hurt. And then Logan Thomas is a former quarterback with Dwayne Haskins on the ball. So let's forget that. So I'm still in the Arizona's bad against tight ends train. So I like Hawkinson this week. You could fire him up again. He's He's been seeing a nice share of targets. I'm a little concerned about if Galladay does come back, what that might mean for um, DeAndre Swift's target share because he's been seeing about five targets a game. 
He's led the team in snaps in both games, but that's because they've been trailing and they've been throwing the ball to the running back maybe a little bit more than we're used to seeing in Detroit. Like, Theo Riddick was always around, but he never had, like, a legit fantasy role. I don't know if this is sticky or not, but Arizona has allowed receiving touchdowns to running backs in both games this season. But I'm just going to stay away from... um, Detroit running backs, unless you need to start Swift of the three, if necessary. I agree. Swift is the guy that I want of the three, but it's trying to stay away. Very weird how they used on Johnson last week. He was just like in on the first play. He got all the work in the first drive, got the touchdown, and then you didn't hear from him again. The thing with Arizona, too, is that they're getting this, like, this narrative that, oh, they're really bad against pass-catching running backs. First week against San Francisco, they gave up eight catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. But there was an 80-yard touchdown for Tevin Coleman mixed in there. Like, take that away because, like, San Francisco, it's the same thing with the Jets. They're just very, very good at getting their pass, ca- their running backs involved through the air and on the ground. They're just, their run game is elite. It's, no one else can beat it. That's just what they do. Washington last week struggled against them through the air. Antonio Gibson didn't do anything, despite the fact that he was more of a wide receiver in college. So I'm not super, I'm not, like, super buying into this they're going to get beat by the running back out of the backfield until we see more than an 80-yard Raheem Mostert touchdown out of the backfield. Let's take a look at the other side. I have Kyler Murray ranked as my number one quarterback this week. Um, I think Kyler Murray is about to go crazy. If, If Lamar Jackson didn't exist, we would be talking about Kyler Murray and his running ability as transcendent. Um, his ability to be shifty and do whatever the fuck he wants on a field continues to be mind-boggling. Um, this is one of the reasons why the day that he declared for the MLB draft was the day that I declared that he was going to be the number one pick in the NFL. And the guys at VM laughed at me, and Joe bet $100 against me that it wasn't going to happen. But when you have that kind of ability, you have to be there. And you're seeing the ability play out in the second year even more. His running, He's averaging 79 yards a game on the ground and when you see him run even in, like when he scrambles or when he has design runs the dude is untouchable he looks like uh he has a different style than lamar jackson but both of them are are almost as equally as slippery and even when they get hit they don't get hit right on because they just know how to avoid that kind of thing so i think murray i love murray in this game i think that he's the number one option with all that said you're definitely starting him I'm a little concerned that this is going to be a Kenyon Drake coming out party game. It could be. Look, Drake has touched the ball a lot the last two weeks and hasn't had much to show for it. But San Francisco and Washington are two very good fronts, man. And Kenyon Drake had 18 touches and then 22 touches. Now they're going to play Detroit, a team that has not looked good. They're probably going to take an early lead. Coming up for the Cardinals, Detroit, Carolina, New York, Dallas, Seattle, Miami. It's a clean slate for a running back, and I think... Which New, which New York? Oh, that's a good question. I think the Giants. <laughs> I think the Giants. I should have put the New York team. But um, honestly, I, I think it's going to be a Kenny Andre coming out party game, so I'm a little concerned about Murray's upside. But it doesn't really matter for his pass catchers either because he only throws to one of them. You got to love the split, too. 20 carries for Drake, only three carries for Edmonds. Edmonds only targeted one time, um, and he dropped it. 
Aaron Jones also just demolished the Lions, just absolutely demolished them. Well, uh, what about targeted, go ahead. targeted four times? So you're looking at something wrong, but mm. his he has been a little annoying the fact that he's getting targets, but yeah, otherwise it's all Ken and Drake because Drake is getting targets himself too, and I'm all aboard the Drake train. This well, I mean, start Murray, start Nuke, and start Drake. It's as simple as that. I think Nuke, especially because Aaron Jones. Not only the the running back demolished them, but the wide receiver Aaron Jones demolished them too. I don't want to go through this without saying that Christian Kirk is super do do, dude. Super Andy do-do. Isabella played fourteen snaps last week, had the same number of catches and more yards than Christian Kirk. Kirk is such a bum; it's crazy. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Isabella jumps him soon. Maybe speculatively add Isabella because someone besides Kirk deserves those targets. Not for nothing. Kirk's snap count did drop from seventy-seven to sixty-one. So to do, I think. I think one of the things that you could do to spot a fraud in this fantasy landscape is see what their opinion on Christian Kirk is, and that was last year too. Um, fraudulent ass people like Christian Kirk because they dude, not paying, they're not paying attention. I don't know. Some smart ass people like really like Christian Kirk and like you call him a breakout like star and shit and it just i don't know it was mind-boggling to me and clearly that's not the case dan arnold maybe one day but not yet uh let's move over to our second uh our no third to last game um the cowboys at the seahawks um it's hard to hear this over the sound of everyone sucking off jamal adams but the seahawks secondary has been hot fucking trash they've given up 50 catches that is the most in the league by 11 Denver is next up at 39. They've given up the most fantasy points to the wide receiver, 110. The next one is Minnesota, who's also been hot trash. They've given up 90. Yes, they played the Falcons. But now the Cowboys are coming up. So is it much... It's even bigger of of a challenge than the Falcons. So let me make this easy for you. Dak, start him and love it. Zeke, start him and love it. Amari Cooper is my number two wide receiver on the week. This game screams... Amari Cooper giant game. This is like the 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 script of what Amari Cooper's Giants games have been in the past. Michael Gallup, start him. CeeDee Lamb, start him. Dalton Schultz, if you need if you're if you're really fucking desperate at tight end, start him. Like honestly, I like I, I don't not like anyone on this team. Like even Tony Pollard might have a good game in this game. I think the Cowboys are gonna completely wreck the Seahawks. Um now when I say wreck the, Seah- wreck the Seahawks defense, I think the Cowboys um, might lose this game because Russ is Russ, but it's going to be a shootout in this one. The Seahawks secondary is absolute trash. Um, Jamal Adams continues to be a box safety. Um, and this is why the Jets and the Jets fans were so happy about the trade that they got for Jamal Adams because you can see that as good as he is, he is limited by his position, which is safety. Last year... Greg Williams used him in such a way where he played everything and played everywhere. He's not being used that way with the Seahawks. Um, he's So safety is a limited position on what it could help you with. So uh, I think, yeah, I think that this, uh, this Dallas Cowboys offense is going to wreak havoc. I want to express one word of caution. Amari Cooper has been, like, seriously worse on the road in his career, and... You say this is a clear Cooper boom game. I think this is one of those clear everyone's hyped about Cooper and then he busts 
games. Like, I really think that's a possibility. But I do love this offense. Like, I have Cooper, Lamb, Gallup ranked 18th, 19th, 20th, back to back to back. 18th. I got I got Cooper at two. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I just think they're all going to be very good. I will say this. I'm not as scared off on home road splits historically as I would be in the past because no fans. Like, Seattle with the 12s and Seattle without the 12s, not the same. So, like, I'm not putting as much credence. Usually, I'd be like, all right, Jason, you're right. It is the road game, so I'm going to I'm gonna put him down a little bit. I'm running with the theory that road home doesn't really matter that much this year because of the fan, because there's no fans. So, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's how that's the theory I'm rolling with. Um, let's start on the other side with the Seahawks. Russ, he's cooking. Let Russ cook. This is going to be a high-scoring game. I like Metcalf and Lockett to both be wide receiver ones. I have them lock it at seven, Metcalf at eleven. How do you guys feel about these guys? Yeah, I mean, dude, the the Ram the Cowboys have played the Rams and the Falcons, two very good offenses, and both those offenses are ba- were able to move down the field fairly easily against them. I do not see that changing at all here in Seattle. Uh, someone asked said today on Twitter, DK Metcalf is a sell high. I was like, dude, the Seahawks have transformed into a pass first team. And DK Metcalf literally plays 100% of the snaps. If anything, he's a buy low. Like, I'm all aboard the DK Metcalf train. I have him at 7. I have Tyler Lockett at 10. I think they're both tremendous starts. I think Russ uh, Russ Metcalf, Lockett, and Chris Carson are all great plays. I'm, I was even a little surprised by Chris Carson's expert consensus ranking. He's a little low for my taste. I, I moved him up to my running back 11. Um, he was... His expert consensus ranking was 15 earlier. It looks like it's up to 13, so I guess people are doing their homework. But, yeah, everyone on that team, man, and on the Falcons, this is going to be a glorious game. Dude, I felt like Mugatu taking crazy pills. Like, it, I guess it was a it was a common theme among people to panic about Carlos Hyde getting work week one, and we said, yeah, fuck awful. that. And you know what the Seahawks said in week two? Fuck that. In a game that was actually close, Carson played two-thirds of the snaps back to his normal amount because they weren't blowing the opponent out. Like, Chris Carson is the guy who's going to get the majority, like, the high majority, the 70% of the work there, and that was never going to change. So, if Carlos Hyde can can fuck that. Like, I, don't, I never understood that. That was also lazy analysis because people saw the, the final score and they thought that that game was a lot closer than it was. Seattle was running away with that game in uh, garbage time. Uh, Matt, garbage time, Ryan um, brought his team back in garbage time. So I, I, I feel like that's something. Like, if you just looked at the numbers, then that could be good. This offense is so efficient and this defense is so bad that Chris Carson touched the ball 20 times in a week where, where Lockett and Metcalf were both wide receiver ones last week. This is like this is turning out to be the perfect fantasy team, the Seahawks. You have a great quarterback, yeah. you have two great wide receivers, you have a great running back, and you have a shit defense. Who like it's a, it's a shit defense, but also you know Jamal Adams. I don't want to completely jet fan him, but he's a difference maker. So you could see him um, forcing some fumbles, getting them in good field position. Um, they are a ball hawk type defense that go for the turnover. So like that could be also great so it's, it's it's really good it's like the Steelers teams from back in the day um before their defenses were great when their defenses were kind of shoddy where that offense was so good because the defense 
was turnover or bust. Um, what about Greg Olson? You guys like Greg Olson in this one? No. Yeah, he had one he's... target and no catches last week. He's basically spending time with Will Disley. All right, let's go to the Sunday night game. Packers at Saints. This one is going to be a fun one. A-Rod got the juice, baby. You can blame it down his juice, baby. Uh-huh. Can you guys admit you were wrong? Is it is it is it is it time yet? Can I take my victory lap? I'm confused as to why you're taking a victory lap on a week where Aaron Rodgers ended outside the top twelve quarterbacks. He played well, but he wasn't even a QB one. Yeah, he was quarterback seventeen last week. He threw for two hundred forty yards. I mean, because he's got the juice back and yeah. he was great. He's, he's a little great. juicier. It's nice to see. Just for football purposes, because watching Aaron Rodgers lately was pissing me off. Like, I'd be upset when the Packers were on primetime. I'm hoping I enjoy the game more Sunday night. <laughs> um, let's talk about his weapons, because I want to I save Aaron Jones for last, because I have a little bit of interesting stats on Aaron Jones. Uh, let's talk about Devontae Adams. He has a hamstring injury. Got to be careful with that, because Devontae Adams does have a history of coming back from from injuries and playing less snaps until he's better. They, they just kind of part-time him. He played like 60% of the snaps in a couple games last year. Hammy is a soft tissue injury. You have to be aware of those because they creep back up. The worst case scenario is that uh, Adams plays, exits early, and fucks your team up. Best case scenario that he's fine. Um, it's a tough one here because it's a tough matchup. you got to play Devontae Adams. He's, he's a great player, but... I don't know. It's it's a little bit tricky with the hammy. I just I'm projecting him to be great because I expect him to play the whole game, but it's just the hammy makes me nervous, man. Yeah, I mean I don't blame you. This is this is one of those cases where please check back into our rankings if uh, if you're looking at them now because it could change drastically with Adams playing or not playing or if he's supposed to be limited or if he's a full go because Lazard and MVS. Those are basically the only other two guys that Aaron Rodgers throws to besides Robert Tanyan once or twice. Like, it's a very limited pass-catching tree out there in Green Bay. So Lazard and MVS would certainly shoot up drastically if Devontae Adams can't go. So you got to check back because they both of them would be wide receiver three-ish options, in my opinion, because if they're getting passes from Rodgers in what should be a high-scoring affair with New Orleans, there's a decent amount of potential there for both of them. Yeah, I like MVS this week. Was, last week was his second week in a row where he led the team in, where he was second in the team in targets. And nobody's talking about how he missed a touchdown by an inch. He missed time to jump. Yeah. It was in the end zone. If he caught that touchdown, there'd be a lot more hype around him. Also, the dude drops a lot of passes. <laughs> well, he's not great, but he's going to get a lot of work. And once again, until Devontae Adams got hurt, they were the only three wide receivers to see the field for the Packers. It's great. I'm gonna. I have one fun fact about Aaron Jones before you talk about him, Tim. Good. Aaron Jones has lined up as a wide receiver more than five times in a game, twice in his career. Last week, where he had four catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. One time last year, where he had seven catches, 159 yards, and two touchdowns. I was gonna say he's the best wide receiver. He's one of the best wide receivers in the game. He domed the dude. Really like he made a I, sick yeah. catch. <laughs> He has to be on the short list of best. I think it's Kamara and then Jones as best pass. He doesn't get enough respect, man. After, after CMC. Well, I got to mention Eckler. I think I'd rather have Aaron Jones. You're ridiculous. As a pass catcher? 
I mean, I love, I love him. I, I mean, I love Austin Eckler too, but I think Aaron Jones was a more talented player overall. I think well, we're as a pass catcher, bro. Yeah, I mean, as a pass catcher as well. Like, the dude is a, is an absolute monster. He's like a real life pass catcher. He's not just a running back that catches passes. Um, but there is one, there is one concern about Jones. Can he follow up his monster game? Last year, as you know, he was very inconsistent. So one of the reasons why we weren't as high on him as some others. A good late round second pick, but uh, we some people were taking him in the early second round. We thought it was too high. I had Aaron in Jones me. as a top yeah. second round pick. What are you talking about? Did you? Yeah, I, I didn't. Maybe, maybe I was. Maybe I was lower on him. Because we were all over Aaron Jones. Oh, okay. Well, I was lower than you guys were then. Um, and here's why. In games that Jones scored more than 20 last season, he never backed it up with an RB1 performance last last year. In fact, he only backed up an RB1 performance with another RB1 performance twice all year. In the games where he scored more than 25 points, he backed up those games as RB36, RB45, and RB44. Um, also one more where he was RB13. So there is a chance that he falls back into that pattern. Um, for me, that's why I wanted to avoid Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones backs this up against the Saints in a very important game for his team and has a good game, then I will be ready to be on the, okay, I regret not taking Aaron Jones when I had the chance in some of these leagues. I mean, I think you should be on that boat already. Aaron Jones is looking like a stud and a half. It's Whether I he's on the field 50% of the time or... I lived the Aaron Jones life last year, though, bro. Like, I, I knew what it was to have a great week and then have a shit week. Like, I knew it. I, he would win me a week, and then he'd lose me a week. There's times where he had four points, bro. And, like, that's that's what it scares me. I know that these games, I know 44-point games are coming. I know it, that you can bank it. But I also know four-point games are coming. So if, I, if he can convince me that four-point games aren't coming, especially directly following one of those games, I'm on board. But I, I, I just I can't buy in on it. Like, look, look. I, I think he's a. I think he's a great RB one still. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I have him at eight this week. All right. I mean, fair enough. Obviously, you're starting Aaron Jones, hundred <laughs> percent. Obviously. Uh, let's go over to the other side. Man, Drew Brees can't trust him against a good secondary right now. Just can't. Man, Drew Brees. He might be. He might be washed unless something changes. I know he lost Michael Thomas, but even with Michael Thomas, like. The dude just can't really throw past like 14 yards downfield. And Traquan Smith stepped into that Michael Thomas role, which is great to see for his prospects going forward. But Jair Alexander is actually the highest rated cornerback, according to PFF, to start the season, which is uh, something to say. I mean, they played against Minnesota, so Adam Thielen and Detroit, Marvin Jones. So, I mean, it's it's good for... Uh, most of Thielen's work wasn't against Jair Alexander. So... It's just, I don't know. Traycon Smith is a decent start. I'm just a little scared that this whole offense is basically Alvin Kamara at this point, and I don't see it changing. Like, Traycon Smith is going to need to work the yak and run after the catch to really have a big game, in my opinion, because Breeze just can't really throw past 15 yards downfield anymore. Doesn't look good, man, and his weapons aren't helping him. Emmanuel Sanders also looks like he's past the curve of, um, I don't know, production of his age. He's also old. Jared Cook is old. 
Uh, I don't care that Jared Cook is old. He's a great play with Michael Thomas out. I'm not he's saying a he's a. I'm not saying he's a bad play. I'm just saying he's oh, old. Okay. Right now the oh. team is old, and Drew Brees isn't really being helped by young blood besides Kamara and. Traquan Smith had a nice outing last week, though. I mean, he basically stepped into the Michael Thomas role, which I I said I preferred Smith to Sanders, and that ended up panning out. So I still like Smith as a wide receiver three. Seven targets, five catches, 86 yards. Not a bad game as the first time as a number one option for him. Um, I know Michael said Jair Alexander has been very good, but I'm also not convinced that Traquan Smith is going to get Jair Alexander um, shadow coverage because he's Traquan Smith. So, uh, I still like him as a wide receiver three. Um, Sanders, you're staying away from. Let's talk about Kamara because Kamara, it looks like you're right. It looks like this is an offense is going to run through him. Andy Holloway, who is a analyst that I love from the fantasy footballers, his nine-year-old son posted a question, and I think I want to pose the question to you guys. If the draft was today, right now, is Alvin Kamara the number one pick in your draft? With the injuries that happened across the board? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that you can't. Kamara is the number one pick right now. Uh, the offense is going to run through him, and he's the player I want most in fantasy at the moment. It's funny because it's like he's like boring good at this point. Like everyone expects him to be this great. Like he's had two ridiculous games to start the year, and I don't hear his name anywhere. <laughs> like across the fantasy industry. Cause it's just like expected at this point. Like it, it's Alvin Kamara. That's just what he's going to do. Now that he's healthy again, he's just doing exactly what we all expected him to be when healthy. And it's, it's been glorious for people who were able to draft him. for you baseball fans out there. You um, Mets fans slash Astros fans slash Kansas City, uh, Kansas City Royals fans and slash Cardinals fans. You know this better than everybody else, but Carl, he's like the Carlos Beltran of football. Everything he does is so effortless where it kind of looks like he's lazy. It's like he just like like a defender's there and he's just like, scoot. He just like moves his hips to the side and the defender's gone. It's kind of crazy. It's, it's crazy how good he is. Um, let's go to the Monday night game. The matchup. Monday of- night football on MSG. Maybe the year yeah. here. Chiefs at Ravens. Let's start with the Chiefs side. Pat Mahomes has the lowest yards per attempt in his career. Um, does that are you nervous about that if you drafted Pat Mahomes early? I mean, this is why you don't draft QBs early, really. But I mean, it's not like it's just a little odd that Patrick Mahomes. You'd expect him to. I don't know. You expect this huge, this huge production every single week out of him. It's not like he's been bad. He just hasn't been like highest level Patrick Mahomes yet. He gets a really tough matchup against Baltimore. Baltimore has just been, holy moly, do they look ridiculous. Like, Cleveland played awful against them, and it's Cleveland. You take that with a grain of salt. Then they also just absolutely dominated Houston as well. KC is obviously by far their most difficult matchup. If they're able to contain KC, they're going to be a a force the entire year because right now that defense is literally not giving opposing offenses any chance to breathe anywhere. Important to and, note and that the offense has Lamar Jackson on the other side, so they're not giving anyone a chance to breathe either. It's I thought we were team. talking about the Chiefs, guys. I thought we were talking about the Chiefs. We are. We are. <laughs> Important to note that Clyde Edwards, hell yeah, seven targets last week, caught six of them. So, like I said after week one, it's not a concern that he only had two targets because they only targeted the running back four times. Um, when they target... CH is going to see work through the air. 
when they're going to pass a lot. And the Chiefs have always had their fits against the Chargers, so I'm not looking too much into it. Mahomes still ended up with a good game. He ended as a quarterback seven. Um, Chargers Kelsey caught a touchdown. Cool. Hill caught a touchdown. CEH is the only person that didn't score that you would have wanted to score. So even in a game where they kind of struggled, all their guys that you're going to start anyway did pretty well. The Chargers are built to beat the Chiefs. That's how their roster is constructed. Um, it's funny you mentioned CEH, and a lot of people maybe are scared off of this Ravens matchup, but I feel like he's he people faded him in the in the draft. Obviously, we weren't one of them. Particularly, Jason was not one of them. Um, who were fading because of the risk factor. He's never done it before. Now he looks like one of the safest players in the league. 17% target share and 70% of the carries so far for CEH. Uh, start him and start him well. Tyreek Hill is a guy who's been disappointing so far. Hasn't hit that home run because Mahomes hasn't been trying for the home run. Um, is this the game that Tyreek Hill hits a home run? He caught a home run last week. What are you talking about? That's true. That's true. My bad. My bad. My bad. That is completely factual. Ignore me. Does he have another home run this game? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's 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 a tough call here against um against Baltimore because Baltimore has not let anyone hit a home run against them yet. I mean, Will Fuller, yeah, he was hobbled and everything, but zero targets, not even a look downfield. Brandon Cooks did all right, but mainly on intermediate routes. Look, I'm if I own these guys, I'm playing them, right? Like that's what you drafted them high. You're starting Mahomes. You're starting Tyreek Hill. You're starting CH, Kelsey, all that. A couple of them are likely to have very good games, in my opinion. I don't think I don't think they're going to be held down by Baltimore the entire game, especially because Baltimore is going to be scoring, and they need to. They're going to need to keep up. But I wouldn't be shocked if one or two of them does disappoint this week because all of them having huge games against Baltimore seems a little much, and that Baltimore defense has just been too much. Uh, it's only staying three away. people. Yeah, I'm staying away from Watkins. I'm staying away from Denard Robinson. Like, well, I mean, Hill, Kelsey, Mahomes, and Ceh. Those four. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking right about now, yeah, but Mahomes doesn't count. There's only three weapons that he needs to produce with. I don't think it's out of the question. Like the Chargers last week, man. If Ceh ended up with like ten points, but if he ended up falling into the end zone. That's three people right there. Like, they don't need to have a great game for all three of them to do well. And I think that this is a game, too, where they're going to need to be scoring points. They're going to be chasing. I think the Ravens are going to give them a run for their money. I think the Ravens actually win this game, um, like, flat out. So I think that they're going to go to the guys that get that are the guys. Right, right now, the two, run, the two tight ends in this game, because I also think that the same thing goes for the Ravens, the two top tight ends that I have ranked is Travis Kelsey at one and Mark Andrews at two. So I think that Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey uh, are both going to have big games because I think their quarterbacks are going to go to them in a game where it's close and you need to rely on your on your studs, on your guys. Uh, let's go over to the Chiefs and to the to the Ravens side. Since I already mentioned Edwards, let's start with Edwards. Um, Andrews. I'm sorry, Andrews. He had a bad game uh, last week. There's no way around that. Um, but, you know, these things happen. He did have a target in the red zone where he just got overthrown by a little bit. So had he caught that again, you have another great Mark Andrews game. I think this is a great Mark Andrews game. I think Lamar Jackson looks for him often and early. There should be a little, I mean, like you don't want to look too much into it because Andrews was great even on limited snaps last year. But 
uh, Nick Doyle played more snaps in 11 personnel, which is one tight end personnel, than Mark Andrews did last week. Maybe it's because they were looking to run the ball more, but they're a run first team. That's why. I, yeah, they were also ahead. They were also ahead. Yeah, I mean, they dominated Houston from the jump. I'm not really concerned about that at all. I mean, I guess it's a little concerning that this is an option. I mean, Kelsey's never going to get off the field. That's all I'm saying. Like, Andrews may not be ready to take that next step. But this this is not a game where you worry about that. Like, this is a huge blow-up potential game for Mark Andrews. Let's talk about the running backs. Mark Ingram kind of cemented himself with that big run as the guy again. Uh, J.K. Dobbins uh, wasn't as involved as he was in the first game. How do you feel about the running back situation? Dude, Gus the Bus just won't go away. And he's averaging 4.9 yards after contact, second only to Kareem Hunt. He's also averaging 6.4 yards per carry. The craziest part, J.K. Dobbins is averaging more. 7.8 7.8 yards per carry. This just <laughs> looks like it's... Look, Ingram, Gus, Dobbins, they're all going to get work. And it, uh, Edwards is going to be the one that doesn't get started in fantasy leagues because he's the least likely to score a touchdown. He's going to get the least work. He's never going to catch a pass. But it's a crapshoot with Ingram and Dobbins right now. It really is. I mean, I do think that Ingram is a strong play here, man. I think he cemented himself as like the main guy, though. Like, it does seem like he's going to get the first crack at it, and he's going to be the main runner on that team. And Casey is a run-funnel defense man, so I think Ingram is actually a pretty strong RB2, and Dobbins has some flex appeal. Edwards is a thorn in the side, but, I mean, I don't, I don't think you could start him this week. Yeah, I, I agree with Michael on this one. I think Ingram is the guy to go to in the backfield for the running backs because of what I said. I think this is going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a close one. I think... Both of these teams want to win this game to kind of like hang their balls, hang their manscape balls, um, like grab them and show them, hey, this is fucking looking my dick. You know what I mean? Like this is this is for pride. This is a this is a prideful game. This is the two supposedly best teams in the AFC. The Ravens shit the bed in the playoffs last year, but they thought that they should have a shot at the Chiefs, and um, they're spending their whole offseason thinking, hey, you know, if if it was us, we would have won the Super Bowl. So there's that factor. I think you're going to go to your guys who you could trust in this one. I think you're less likely to see uh, J.K. Dobbins uh, get work. I think it's going to be Ingram and then maybe even Gus Bus. Um, I think J.K. Dobbins will get work, but, like, I don't know. I just think Mark Ingram is going to get it here um, just off that narrative. I know it's narrative but it is what it is. Um, Marquise Brown and Boykin keeps getting he keeps getting uh, play, too. Uh, how do you feel about the wide receivers? Boykin is interesting for the future. Uh, he's someone I've had on my watch list for quite a while and someone I've been saying to keep an eye on because he is getting targets. He's just not getting targeted enough. But he's consistently leading that wide receiver crew in snaps every week, which is not something to just shy away from on an offense that's dominant. So if he's available now, pick him up because there's a chance he scores a touchdown and then he becomes the hot waiver wire ad. But I'd rather not start him this week unless I'm desperate. It's a decent matchup against KC, but again, they're – Typically very strong against opposing wide receivers, run funnel defense, and that's where the uh, that's where the Ravens excel is running the ball. And at There's the moment, of- man, Hollywood is who we thought he was. Like wide receiver twenty six finish, wide receiver sixty two finish. 
Everyone's clamoring for him to be this breakout star. Fact of the matter is, he's seen six targets each game. And it doesn't look like the offense is changing much. So as long as his volume is that limited, he's going to be a boom-bust wide receiver three. Try to tell y'all. We try to tell y'all, man. We try to tell y'all, man. And you know what what else is annoying? Because... You know, there's always that backfield where the annoying back that's not fantasy usable at all uh, soaks up some touchdowns or soaks up some touches from a running back. Uh, think Kenyon Drake and um, and Edmonds, right? Yo, not for nothing, Willie Smeet is that guy for here. He's like the annoying dude that gets two to three catches a game that could have went to to one of these two guys and catches the touchdown. And it's fucking annoying. It's so annoying. But you know, it's it's he's like he's a vulture wide receiver. You don't see that very often. But he's keeping the value of these guys down. He's like he's like the green party. Like you just if you vote for him, you just you they're not gonna win. They're just siphoning votes against uh, from the Republicans and the Democrats. All right, with that, I think it's uh it's time to end the show. <laughs> it is it is about to strike midnight. The clock is about to strike midnight. Dedication, baby. Um, Michael, where could they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. At Jason, Brodo FF Jason. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there. You could also find us all at BrotoFantasy.com. That's super important. Um, and at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter. Sorry. That's super important because, like we said, there are some injury reports that need to be happening. Um, Green Bay is, is one of them that we need to know what's going on. Um, if someone gets hurt in one of these games, you want to know how to adjust your lineups. We have the information on Twitter, so make sure you are following us on the Twitter. The Twitter. Yeah. Um, don't forget to follow us again on Brodo Fantasy because we do tweet also every touchdown. Uh, set your set your alerts to Brodo Fantasy, and you will get alerts for every touchdown that happens, so you know when your player scores big time, big time, big time. Yeah. Uh, also, don't forget that the voice you're listening to was the number 12 overall ranking in Fancy Pros last year. That's just last game. That's week. That's week. You did ask just said last year, last game, last week. You know what? It's 12 o'clock at night. It just hit 12, and I am turning into a pumpkin. Um, with that being said, uh, only my second week as an official ranker. Just putting that out there. Just putting that out there. With that being said, our... Rankings are available, brotofantasy.com or fantasypros.com, but it's a lot easier to, to read them on uh, brotofantasy.com. You could also read our articles there. We have a sleeper and bust article coming out. Our trio of the writing team uh, that we have on board are coming out with a uh, a new article every week. Which what, what article is? What's the theme of that article again, Jason? Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high, guys. Fun articles. Very, very fun. So, yeah. It's going to be a uh, an awesome time to be part of the Brodo train. Already is an awesome time for us. We love bringing you guys this advice, and we continue to do so because we love it. With that being said, for Michael and Jason, I am Tim. Peace out. Peace. Later.